Support for Think Humanities is brought to you by the Spalding University School of Creative and Professional Writing. Think Humanities, a podcast for people who love history, philosophy, culture, literature, civic dialogue, and the arts. Think Humanities from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Here's your host, Bill Goodman. Four photographers who spent years in and around the White House in national political campaigns will come together for a virtual discussion on September 23rd at 7 p.m., hosted by Transylvania University and Kentucky Humanities. Through the Lens, campaign photography in a digital world will examine the role visuals play in campaigns and whether digital imagery serves as a reliable source of information. The discussion includes award-winning photographer Sharon Farmer, Ryan Morris, Paul Morris, and Chris Usher. Kentucky Humanities' Democracy and the Informed Citizen Initiative looks at the shifting media landscape and how it affects our ability to assess, access information, assess its credibility, and analyze its significance. The discussion will challenge audience members to understand the role visuals play in campaigns and whether digital imagery serves as a reliable source of information. And that's according to Megan Maloney, Transylvania Vice President for Marketing and Communications. One of those photographers the audience will hear is Sharon Farmer. Farmer was the first African-American woman to be hired as a White House photographer and the first African-American and first female to be director of the White House Photography Office. In 1993, Sharon Farmer was hired to photograph for the White House coverage of President Bill Clinton and First Lady Hillary Clinton. Later, Farmer was promoted to director of White House Photography. Her work has been included in multiple exhibits, including Songs of My People, Art Against AIDS, Gospel in the Projects, 20 Years on the Mall, Washington, D.C., Beijing Exchange, and Our View of Struggle. And it's such a delight and such an honor to have Sharon Farmer join us on our Think Humanities podcast. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be with y'all. Well, Let's start a little bit in the past, although it maybe for you seems like yesterday, I don't know, but what prepared you to be chosen for the position uh, as the White House photographer, Uh, whether or not it was the first woman or whether or not it was the first African-American woman, uh, anybody who's chosen to be a photographer for the President of the United States must... uh, it must be an honor to have that position. It is a huge honor, but it also recognizes I didn't get here by myself. My parents, my family, my friends kept me in check, so I did not get le big head. So you're only as good as your last image. That's as good as you are as a photographer. So if you're a laissez-faire, if you're not always keeping your pedal to the metal and your nose to the grindstone, you're going to miss pictures. So I always try to like nail it. Everything I read growing up, especially the encyclopedias, always had an image beside them. And I'm like, wow, this person's going to live through history. Who's this? So 
I was a music major playing bassoon with a minor in piano or clarinet. And my parents always said, whatever you do, do what's your best. And photography bit me. I could actually do it my best. And I quit grilling hamburgers in the student union. So it was good. <laughs> what really prepared you? Um, and tell me a little bit about your early career that, that led you to the place where you were considered and then uh, got the position of uh, White House photographer. When I graduated from Ohio State, I had served an internship at the Associated Press. And I knew I loved the business of journalism and photojournalism especially because these images were going to be the way I saw them. And I had a choice of 360 degrees about how to shoot my subjects or shoot my events. And that was always the best challenge, the best rush, the best adrenaline because I'm competitive with everybody else. I don't stand still. I carry a ladder with me everywhere. I'm always mad when I'm three inches too short. So I take the ladder. And by taking the ladder, it opens up a whole nother world. The other thing is I was working for the Washington Post first as a, a stringer, you know, work now and then. And then they stole me from the weekly section and moved me over to the photo office. Next thing I know, I'm doing five and seven assignments a week. And I'm like, whoa, this is cool. And of course, beside the picture is your name. The guy who hired me from the White House said he could tell my photographs before he read the photo credit. I don't know a better way to tell a photographer how much you appreciate them. You didn't read the credit, but you knew it was me. That is a godsend. That's how it got started. And if you do a good job, you show up on time, you stay late, you don't mumble and grumble. You're part of a team that includes not just the photographers, but the nurses and the doctors, the Secret Service, the fire department, the people who take care of the building, the groundskeepers. This is an all-inclusive group with very heavy responsibilities about how this nation stays safe. To be able to cover it has a, I love history and documentarian. I read and I watch all that stuff. What is past is going to be present. What is present is going to be future. All this stuff is tied together with humanities because we all have to interact. We need to interact with each other so we can pull the best out of each other. And that's the best thing about being in a creative field that has a business edge to it. Journalism is business. But the creativity that a visual image maker can come up with based on the time of day, the event, the weather, the people. Sometimes you can go someplace, everybody's dowering, they down. Well, how do I show that they're dowering down? Especially when I'm a happy person. That takes on a whole nother struggle. But I'm looking for the things that reflect what's going on in my atmosphere. My antenna are out. My skin feels it. My nose smells it. My eyes see it. And if you operate on all your senses, you're going to be okay. And matter of fact, you might even kick some butt. <laughs> and maybe get that uh, photograph that ends up being the uh, iconic image of um, a leader or a, um, a meeting that was held. Who were your mentors, uh, Sharon? Who did you who did you look up to as a, as a young photographer uh, that really um, uh, said to you, uh, I want to be like that person. I want the, my photographs to speak to me like, like uh, his or hers do. That would be Roland Freeman 
uh, a DC photographer who has covered a little bit of everything through the years, from slave cabins to quilting, the Black experience of demonstrations, and the creative arts that go on down south. They were starting to knock down the slave cabins in the 70s when I met Roland. And he was determined to shoot every single one of them before they were gone. So people could say, it didn't happen. If you got visual image, it sure did happen. If you got people making drawings, uh uh-huh. And then you got old pictures of slaves. Everybody ain't looking happy. So he's one of them. The second person is Ricardo Thomas. I met him. He was covering Gerald Ford. He was working for Gerald Ford, the president. And he and I were the only two people of color in a sea of white folk. And we looked at each other and said, who you? Who you? And we hooked up. When he found out I lived in D.C., he said, next time you come back to town, call me. Gave me his card. White House symbol. Ricardo Thomas. Official White House photographer. I was impressed. So the next time I came back to town, I went to lunch with him and Roland. What a wonderful small world. And they gave me advice because I had moved back from Ohio to home where I could get my bearings, save my money, buy a house, and get my career going. My career wasn't going the way I wanted to go. So I had to be a baby photographer for too long, about six months running around the Beltway in D.C. So when newborns were hatched, I'd get the phone call telling me where to go to shoot these pictures at what time. I got tired of that because it took me out of every zip code in the world. Nothing was congruent. I like organization. And one thing photography does let you be is organized with your files and your work. Y'all hear me? If you don't organize it now, it is a pain in the butt to try to organize it later when your mind doesn't quite remember everything. But that's part of the deal about history. The more you write things down and attach them to your images, the more humanitarian work you've done. You've kept your notes. You're like Albert Schweitzer. You're out there in the wilderness. You're doing stuff, but you didn't write it down. So you don't know what day it was. You may not remember what it was. So we, humanitarians are good historians, and we always have evidence visually of what happened, not to mention the writings, the poetry, the music. You could have a 360-degree image of what was going on. And the fun part about it, it's like a bucket of water. You could always add to it, always add to it. What was the significance of being not only uh, African-American, but being the first uh, woman in a, a sea of, uh, of white faces, probably uh, 90, I don't know, you tell me, percentage uh, of being white males in, in the, the press corps, especially, or surrounding uh, the president when he traveled or in the White House itself, did, did that did, did that have an impact on you uh, at the time, or, or did you have to reflect on that maybe after you got home at night or after you left the position? There's a couple of ways to look at this. Remember, my first experience was at The Ohio State University. <laughs> I got there. There were less than 300 Black students on campus. Uh, I can proudly say when I left, we had 2,400 because of part of a program I helped start with the Office of Minority Affairs about bringing uh, high echelon students from Black colleges to come do their grad work for free. Okay, come do your grad work for free. So that increased our numbers. Um, My jobs have always involved having to deal not just with my community, but everybody. I'm a Gemini. 
I adapt really well because the bottom line is if I don't meet people at their level, I'm not going to find out who they really are. And I'm still curious enough, even as old as I am now, to know where they really are. So I try to make people feel comfortable. But if you say something you know ain't right, and I know ain't right, I'm after you. <laughs> because if you accept people slamming somebody, slamming somebody, carrying a tail, you too are part of the problem. And I never wanted to be that. I always said, as I read things said, Small minds discuss people. Great minds discuss ideas. My parents told this to me when I was in junior high school. And I did not forget when I got sent off to college that I didn't want to go to because I didn't want to leave home. And my father said, you know you're leaving. I don't want to go. You're not listening. You are gone for at least a year. Lo and behold, I loved it. Photography bit me. I still play music, but now I play bass clarinet piano, and bass guitar. I want to be a funketeer. The brain is <laughs> working if you let it. And all the experiences that you have will help you take better pictures. It's really all about how do you feel? Well, that's a, that's a wonderful um, explanation of, uh, of the enthusiasm you brought to uh, many uh, different areas of your life. Were there times in the White House um, when you either did not feel it appropriate for even you to be in the room or were you given free reign to take a picture of anything and everything you wanted to take a picture of? I had a great time being a photojournalist, being a documentarian. Nobody kicked me out the room. I could judge based on what I was hearing and how touchy feely it might be if I should stay or leave. Most of the times I stayed because that's what I'm hired to do, shoot history. I'm not hired to repeat it through my mouth. That's not how it works. It works as there are images, and images are still worth a thousand words. The best part is President Clinton understood history. He was a voracious reader of every president we ever had, of every person who ever controlled a, a, a continent, or how did metal get started to turn plowshares into weapons and those weapons change how we all dealt with each other? Um, voracious reader, a bad historian, because he got so good at listening to the information officers in the White House lead these tours. And he could absorb all that. Next thing you know, he's reading more about it when you're interested in what you do, you know what you do, and you can talk about what you do. He was a very humble man. He ran the streets with his old buddies from college. So to see them greet him at reunions for the colleges and the law schools he went to, I am very clear about how friendly he is and Mrs. Clinton. And you get to see a side of people everybody doesn't see. You get to see the real human beings. And you understand the task at hand because you understand what has to happen for all of us to be okay in the United States. So it was a hell of an experience. Um, all I can say is everything I did see in here, whoa, whoa, okay? It was that kind of stuff. And everybody I was privileged to work with, we all understood we were on a mission to do our best job. It was spoken about sometimes. 
Sometimes we find ourselves waiting outside of the programs or the buildings that the president was having a dinner with the family. Uh, the healthcare thing was a big deal. He and Hillary had started inviting people in to come talk about what was going on um, and what wasn't happening for people who had very expensive health care. So I got to see things begun as a, a, a match. Next thing I know, lighten up. Next thing I know, it's illuminating everything as we're having ceremonies and fetting people who are about good stuff. I mean, we have presidential medals to reward the humanitarians for their lifetime of work. Lifetime of work says who you are. If you don't have lifetime of work and can't point to it, it's never too late to get busy. Never. Our communities need us. Our churches need us. The kids need us. There's been nothing like a pandemic in our lifetime. And when you look back at 1915 and you go, look at the humanity out there. And they all got on masks. Whoa. Their pandemic ended as ours still marches on. Look at history. Look at the humanities. Look at the writings of the day. I catch your hand. Look at the art. Whoa, I love art. And the more abstract art is, the more my brain is off in different directions that I didn't think about. So all those things feed your senses if you let them. And I want them to. Sharon, before we um, take a short break and talk a little bit about uh, digital imagery and some of uh, what uh, the focus will be on September the 23rd at at Transylvania University's uh, virtual conversation with uh, you and a number of other photographers. Uh, tell us, uh, just give us one um, anecdotal um, uh, story, uh, something that, that you witnessed, something, um, uh, whether uh, maybe somebody that uh, President Clinton was with that you were in awe of, uh, whether it was, uh, he was a, a musician. We all know he played the saxophone. He played the uh, uh, you know, you might have met uh, Stevie Wonder one day or something like that. I don't know. Tell us a little story about uh, working with uh, with the Clintons. I'm never, ever going to forget that they closed the White House down. They closed the federal government down. But it's my turn to work no matter what day it is or what's going on. And while I'm in the photo office, I get a call from Mrs. Clinton saying, Sharon, it's beautiful out there, isn't it? And I said, you mean where it's snowing? And she says, yes. I said, I haven't been out there. Sharon, you should go out there. We need some pictures for a Christmas card. So I bundle me up. I put baggies over my camera gear and stuff. And I've been by now smart enough to always have a, a coat that's rainproof and have boots out on my messing up. So I put that stuff on, make my gear all cool. And then I go out there. And I also have an umbrella because the snow is so thick. You think I'm going to fend that stuff off? I don't think so. So I go out there and start looking at different angles and the snow's coming down. I'm like, does she really want to have all this in here with all this stuff on? And the longer I stay out there, I'm like, now, Sharon, you're starting to see stuff. Keep moving. Go this way. Go this way. Nope, keep going. Nope, that's not strong. Keep going. And then after you do that, where you go? Okay, now you got to go back the other way. Look some more. Turn your body a little bit so you can see a lot of different angles. Turn your body some more. Because when you turn your body, your eyes change. And it changes the view of what you see. I don't want to miss nothing. I want to make this sweep around once. But I got to make it around twice. Oh, my God. I'll be wet by the time I get in. But as I'm going around a second time, out runs Buddy, the dog, 
Buddy runs out. He is romping in the snow. And I'm like, my picture. Buddy romping in the snow in the White House in the background. The snow's coming down. <laughs> yeah. Very good experience. Well, that's a wonderful story. So let's uh, pause for a word from Spalding University, and we'll be right back. Spalding University is affordable, nationally distinguished, low-residency MFA in writing. Offers excellent instruction in a compassionate, supportive community. Focus on your own area of concentration. Explore across genres and examine the interrelatedness of the arts. During one-on-one independent study, you'll write prolifically and receive expert feedback from your faculty mentor, developing the discipline to keep writing for life. Study fiction, poetry, creative nonfiction, writing for children and young adults, and writing for TV, screen, and stage. Learn more at spalding.edu slash school of writing or email schoolofwriting at spalding.edu. Sharon Farmer is our guest on uh, our Think Humanities podcast today. Uh, Sharon is a, uh, a noted, recognized uh, uh, director of White House photography back in the, in the Clinton era. She's won uh, many awards, has exhibited uh, all over the, uh, the United States, maybe all over the world. I'm not sure about that part of it. Uh, she could tell us that if I uh, gave her a chance to, to do that. Um, and she's going to be joining uh, three other photographers uh, also uh, with a, a political background. Uh, some worked at the White House. Maybe all of them did. Uh, I, I don't know, Sharon. Maybe you could tell me uh, a little bit about Ryan Mars, Paul Morse, and Chris Usher. Are, are, were they all in Washington? Yeah, I knew Chris the best. Chris worked for one of the, uh, the wire services and, and uh, magazines. And he plays fiddle, mandolin, and guitar. He is bad. Boy, bad musician. So there's always pleasantries to be had. I run with the White House pool when I first started. When I got to be the boss, well, then I was on Air Force One with the president. But no matter where I saw Chris Usher, we always hugged and talked and hung out. Uh, He's one of the nicest guys and one of the strongest photographers I've ever met in my life. And plus, he was very innovative about an exhibit that he had at the Corporate Art Gallery years ago. And every frame on the wall was different. You talk about recycling frames. He did it, and it worked for all that wonderful photo work that he had up. And he's still a cool guy. I mean, when you meet a person that you can feel, you want to hold on to them. The other two, I know Paul a little bit less but I have never really worked with Paul, but I know of him. His reputation is impeccable with all the folk who ever worked at the White House. And the other gentleman, I don't know at all. So I look forward. I started looking at the work last night, and I'm going to go back later today and look some more because it's good to see what you all think. It's good for me to know it's my history hidden in the right direction. And am I covering things that people are really interested in? So any questions you got, you can ask, because if you don't ask, I can't think of everything. But I can tell you a Nelson Mandela story for sure. Please. Look at here. I get to go with Mrs. Clinton to South Africa, and we go over to Robin Island on the boat. While we're over there, I'm taking pictures, and people are coming up to us as before they start to serve the luncheon and everything. And Mrs. Clinton's off to the side talking to President Mandela. And 
somebody walks up to me, another woman, and she said, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, huh? And then she says something else. And then a guy walks over. He starts talking to me, too. I don't know what you want to talk but okay. That's what I did. And Mr. Mandela walks over saying, he thinks you're from his tribe. He thinks you're one of his tribes. She does, too. You are from that tribe because they have decided you are. Okay, so now I got a better understanding where some of my ancestors are hanging out at. If I look like somebody in their family, that don't happen by accident. So it's a thrill to know that even though you can't speak the language, your smiling eyes, your smiling mouth, the, the finger signs that tell you everything is okay, it passes because we're human to human, human to human. Horses may not like this, but humans like that. Well, that's a that's a great story, and I know you have kept that with you uh, uh, in your heart uh, for many, many years. Uh, Sharon, uh, the discussion that you and uh, the other photographers will have with Jennifer Palumbo uh, at uh, Transylvania University on the 23rd of September, uh, I'm reading now from uh, what uh, your friend and, and, and mine, uh, Megan Maloney, who's the uh, uh, White House, uh, the uh, uh, Transylvania Vice President of Marketing and Communications, she wrote, um, the discussion will challenge audience members to understand the role visuals play in campaigns and whether digital imagery serves as a reliable source of information. So let me just ask you to uh, talk uh, a bit about that. Uh, can we trust digital imagery these days? No, we cannot because the knaves and the people who would disturb honesty and truth are busy doing things to make you think there are millions of people there when there was maybe two or 500, but they've cloned that image over and over again, tried to blur the edges so you don't know what they've done. Maybe you can change some colors from section to section. But digital imagery is not to be trusted except based on the people who put it out there. And you're not going to know that until people are going, that ain't what happened. That ain't what happened. So it's called fraud. It's called you didn't have an original idea in your head. And you have the nerve to think this is a, a, a soda commercial and that you can gussy this up so well we got to drink the Kool-Aid you're trying to serve us. Uh I totally am opposed to manipulation. I don't change colors. And anything I do since we went digital, all I do is uh, light and dark and maybe crop. But I've gotten so better in the last 15 years, I don't even crop in the, on, the, on the computer. You, can, you get good. If you look at all four corners of your viewfinder as you get ready to take a picture and then look dead in the middle to make sure something's not going out the back of somebody's head, all you got to do is shift to the left, shift to the right. That's it. And then you wait for the decisive moment. If your background is there, you're waiting for something to happen that has movement. I can outweigh anybody. I'll make a turtle look like he's fast because I'm, I don't need 10 shots of the same thing. And if I shoot prematurely, I'm going to miss the shot I should have got. So I'm one of your, I'm so patient. Uh, it's moving into two minutes now, but uh, something's starting to happening. Oh, my arm's getting tired. Let me make a little adjustment with my shoulders. And I'm waiting because the sooner they move, that is the shot. If it don't move, I don't shoot. 
You have so much experience in, in this field. Was there ever a time when you felt overwhelmed uh, with either the story or uh, inadequate or you didn't bring the right uh, camera or uh, give me an idea of, of just uh, day to day or maybe a, a, one of the trips that you took and, and what made you sort of uh, think uh, that maybe I'm not, I'm not quite ready for all this. I was ready for this. <laughs> I was always prepared because as you begin to progress through your career, you know what gear you need. You know what little things make a huge difference, like a right angle viewfinder. You begin to understand that by the time you change the lens on your camera body, you have missed the shot. So I carry three and four cameras. When I worked at the White House, I had a Leica. I had a Canon camera that could have interchangeable lenses. And a couple of those lenses was around my middle on a belt. I had flash units with me. I had a, a wide lux camera that did a panorama. I had options. And I could be noisy or no noise, but the name of the game is to get people, especially when in the heat of stuff, you want to be quiet. I'm the fly on the wall. I'm the piece of furniture not moving as I stand back and get my pictures. Sometimes I'm already close and the action's already started. Folks got used to me being in the room and I don't say nothing. I don't make eye contact. I'm busy looking how the composition looks. As I wait for somebody to wag their finger or have something to say presenting the paperwork as evidence that the boss has to deal with. The stuff in Bosnia, the stuff the Pentagon has to deal with, the stuff that our Red Cross deals with. It is unbelievable how many balls in the air are going on at the White House at the same time. And then as folks come in talking about their portfolio that they take care of, Stroke Talbert being the ambassador to Russia, uh, the people who are ambassadors to Mandela's South Africa. I get to hear stuff that ain't in the news. You're not going to hear about it no time soon. Matter of fact, you may never hear about it, but I take it all in because I'm documenting history, a presidential term that has more than a few wheels rolling here. And they don't shut down at 4 o'clock. They don't shut down at 5 o'clock. They know that California is three hours away. Hawaii, further than that. What's going on in the territories in Guam, even further than that. People stay and do their job. That means I stay and do my job, too. If the president starts at, four, I mean, at 7 o'clock in the morning for his job, Whoever's got that shift, that's what you do until noon. If you're the second person on schedule, whatever Mrs. Clinton does, you're doing it, whether she stays here or goes away. I always kept a bag packed by my desk. If you're the last person come in and at, at noon, well, then you don't know when you're going to go home. Because if he's having guests or there's a dinner or family is here, you have to be very medicine and be able to capture things and say, this is history. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The other thing is, if you're the boss back in the old days, you can come and go as you please. Well, I got to be the boss. None of that. I serve the shift like everybody else because that's responsible when you're asking your team, you know they've been up past eight hours. We're now going into an 18-hour day. Uh-uh. I can handle 18 hours. Oh, yeah, I'm tough. Uh-huh. And so could they. That's the beauty of working with a crew 
that understands its mission. And not to mention our, our wonderful office manager, uh, Merlin Jacannon has served many a presidential president. And she was the continuum for us to understand what was expected of us, what some of the decorum was. This is a lady wise beyond her years. Uh, it was so cool to work with steady people who understood what the presidential office meant at the White House. I, my office is underneath the Oval. All we got to do is run up the steps and we there because things happen fast. You never know who's going to drop by, be it the Dalai Lama or some famous musician like Rita Franklin. You just don't know. So, and then of course, these meetings that go on about the budgets. You know what? If America understood how Congress and the president had to come to terms on how to do a budget, they would understand they too need to do their own home budgets. This budget thing is no joke. The most contentious time I ever saw was when Newt Gendrick and Dick Armey had come to the White House to have these discussions about what the budget of the United States was going to look like. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I had no idea this is how to discuss budgets. Blew my mind, gave me knowledge about if you don't ask, you don't know. And I'm watching them all ask each other stuff and get answers back. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I'm taking pictures because as I work, I can hear. I'm looking for those things to say what the tone of this meeting is. And when you can show the tone of a meeting, you're doing good. Well, Sharon Farmer, you have been just a delight to talk with. We uh, appreciate it so much. Sharon is going to be joining three other uh, recognized uh, political uh, uh, Washington inside uh, photographers on September the 23rd at 7 in a virtual uh, meeting uh, at Transylvania University and Kentucky Humanities uh, sponsoring it under our Democracy and the Informed Citizen Initiative. Uh, you can find more uh, at Transylvania and on our website. Uh, you will zoom in at 7 p.m. on September the 23rd and enjoy more of Sharon Farmer and other photographers who will be joining her. And thank you so much for sharing your life and your story. And hopefully you'll come back and visit us sometime. Absolutely. Absolutely. Think Humanities is a podcast from Kentucky Humanities, where we have been telling Kentucky's stories for 48 years. Think Humanities is available at kyhumanities.org, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Join us next week for a new episode of Think Humanities. <laughs>